0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Guiding You Home. My name is Travis Avila. I'm joined by Senior Guapo, Mr. Jeff Landon.
1: Travis Avila, ladies and gentlemen.
0: And Adam Nixon. What's up, baby? What's Nixon, happening? Nixon, Nixon, Nixon. Good to be back. Dude, yeah, seriously. You guys left me all alone yeah, dude. last week. Sorry, I'll never that. forgive you. Sorry, buddy.
2: I was in Texas. Great barbecue. mm brisket. Good wedding. Cousin's wedding. It was so fun. Yeah, brisket.
1: Mmm, mm, dang. No, I was surfing in Costa Rica. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just kidding. You liar. Oh man, what a good conversation we had. Um, we're talking about how agents get paid. Um, there's a lawsuit that has come out and got the conversation started around the nation. So really good to get the conversation started. So we walked through how that works, but then uh, more importantly, kind of what could be coming down the pipe? Is change in the air? What could it look like? What would effect would it have on buyers and sellers and agents and all of that? So mm-hmm. what do you guys think? It's going to be good. Enjoy this one. It's uh, change. Change is always in there. I think always. so. Bring it on. All right. Well, enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to Guiding You Home, a real estate resource for buyers, sellers, investors, and enthusiasts. We're here to help you make informed decisions on real estate opportunities by bringing you fresh market insights from experts in the field. This and every episode is brought to you by Landmark Real Estate Group in San Luis Obispo County, California. You can find us at LandmarkSlow.com. Welcome to the show. Where should we start, boys? We're going to talk today about how agents get paid. (laughs) Agents. Well,
1: isn't that by closing deals?
0: Yeah, we wouldn't know. <laughs> we wouldn't know. No, we've closed. I've qu- we, no, no, we been, been had yet great. a
1: great.
2: But, no, but it's it, it's it's a great question because yeah. sometimes it's like, well, yeah. How how do you get? You know, <laughs> I'll have buyers tell me like, well, how who, do what do I pay? <laughs> yeah. Do You take credit card? Is it Venmo? Like, yeah, Venmo, <laughs> Venmo. request.
0: Yeah, and then we're going to talk a little bit about this lawsuit that has brought a lot of this stuff stuff up to the forefront. Yeah. Um, of conversation in our industry and kind of if there are changes coming what they might be we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff so jeff yeah we want to keep it high level we're not going to
1: like yeah. dive into the intricacies of the lawsuit there's so many different arguments we've made both both directions but um yeah we're gonna talk about what we feel the solution kind of like the the answer is to it and why it's been done this way for a long time and we'll play devil's advocate on both sides i think people will enjoy this conversation should yeah. we start
0: with the lawsuit and just say what it was about? Yeah, and why then don't you, That'll get us into what- Why don't you summarize the lawsuit? Okay, so so um, here's here it is. The lawsuits, there's a couple of them in particular, claim that NAW rules, the National Association of Realtors, violate antitrust laws and inflate the fees paid to the buyer's agent by requiring a listing agent to compensate a buyer's agent for listing a property on the MLS- now that sentence is just an inaccurate, actually. Like how they—that's not actually what happens, but yeah, you get the gist of it. So NAR, the National Association of Realtors, argues that the lawsuits misrepresent association rules as anti-competitive. Okay, so that's what the whole beef was about. Um, we won't get into like all the interest. Intric- it's going to get challenged in court and disputed, and it's going to last for years probably. So, so let's
1: start with like listing a house, right? Yeah. So we sit down, we're talking to um, a client and uh, I'll say, okay, look, this is what I charge for my fees. And as part of this, we cooperate with a buyer's agent and you get to decide what you want to pay the buyer's agent. And then we go through, if you offer a little bit, then there's a, a little bit less maybe motivation for the buyer's agent to make the sale. Although that's not supposed to be the case, but they're supposed to represent their client for any house, or if you offer a little bit more, maybe there's some more motivation, right? So it's really kind of, as you and I discussed, maybe kind of marketing or whatever. But ultimately, when we list houses, we give that opportunity to the uh, seller to decide what they want to cooperate with the buyer's agent between the two brokerages.
0: So what what amount is it? Like, how do you? Where do you start? How do you have that yeah. conversation? Yeah.
1: So like, so let's just say, for example, I say, hey, I'm I'm charging three percent for my fees. Okay. That includes everything from photography, uh, handling the escrow process, uh, putting the, the listing online, you know, walking them through the request for repairs, helping negotiate all that. Right. So that's 3%. And then the, the, the conversation with them is, okay, so do you want to offer 3% to the buyer's agent? Um, do you want to offer between two to three? And I always suggest, That they offer at least two and a half percent is my suggestion, because it's a lot of work to get a buyer into a house. Some of these buyers, people have been working with for over a year, and you know that's a lot of showings, time, and energy, right? And then they go, yeah, this is what I I feel like that's a fair number to offer on the this you know for this house, and then maybe uh, they go, no, I want to I want to offer less, and ultimately they have the decision. But we just talk about the value of having you know, buyer's agents wanting to show and take their clients to the house and, and get into contract.
0: So, so overall the, the, the fee is five to 6% total, usually split 50, 50 between the listing agent and the buyer's agent. Yeah. And the interesting thing is though, is a little bit of a caveat, but that fee does that doesn't go to the agent that goes to the brokerages. Yes. So so can you explain that a
1: little bit? Yeah, so the brokerage has a split with their agents. The brokerage has to cover, you know, they're covering insurance for the brokerage, they're covering errors and emissions, um, you know, the marketing cost of the brokerage, the overhead and operations. So there's a, a good chunk of that money goes to the brokerage. And then the rest of it goes to the
0: the agent. The brokerage being Keller Williams, REMAX, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, whatever, e- EXP, whatever brokerage yeah. it is. Okay. Yep, and exactly. then the agent gets paid off of that. And there's usually splits with you're on teams and everything like that. So the money gets kind of cut in different ways, depending on exactly. the situation, yeah. right? A million different ways it could work out. Exactly. Okay. So five to 6%, half usually to the buyer's agent, half to the listing agent, that money all gets split between brokerages and agents and teams and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, t- transaction coordinators, photographers, yes. get, all that kind of stuff. All the marketing efforts get looped into all. That's how everyone. gets It's a paid. lot. It's a lot of stuff.
1: A lot of stuff you don't think about.
0: Yeah. So that comes out of the proceeds of the home when it's sold. Yeah. So why this is one of one of the questions is why does this why is that on the seller to pay? Great
1: question. Um, Adam, I'm going to let you chime in here because we were having a conversation on this earlier. But why does it work better for the seller, in our opinion, than for the buyer?
2: Yeah, I mean, one, again, like, let's just play devil's advocate. Like, yes, historically, that's the way it's been. Well, like, we are talking today, like, well, why is that? Like, let's just push back on it. And because what they're proposing is that, okay, the seller just covers the listing agent fee. And then the buyers pay their buyer's agent um, the fee for representing them on the buy side. Um, but why for the seller? Again, the seller is selling their house and they, you know, typically when you sell anything, if you, you know, have someone sell a car for you, you're going to pay a commission for that. Okay. And you're just like, Hey, just take care of it. I want to make sure that you just tell me where I need to sign. What's the process. And I want it to be done within a house. There's a lot of work that goes into that. You need to match a buyer. It's a really big decision. For a lot of people, one of the biggest purchases they'll ever make. So again, historically, it's made sense. On the seller side, they're going to go ahead and take the proceeds from selling the house to have this be a successful transaction. Um, if you start to divide it up, what we kind of run into is that now the buyer, um, let's say you take a first-time home buyer. They need, that's going to increase their expenses already in buying a house. Could really slow down the ability for a buyer to even qualify for a house. Yeah. Now who's going to go ahead and pay for that? The seller is the one who has to sell the House, So they're actually going to go ahead and lose if they have less buyers that they can choose from to be able to sell their house. So, you know, the argument is within this court case is that, well, maybe it'll reduce the inflation that's been happening with house prices. But here's the thing, we are liking it to, let's say, you know, in the car manufacturers, there's a credit from the state on electric vehicles. As soon as those credits come out from the state, let's say it's $7,000, the price of the car goes up seven mm, grand, right? Um, the seller's not necessarily just going to give away that extra two and a half percent and say, you know, discount it." they might. But again, it's really worked well because the seller's like, Hey, I need to sell this house. I'm going to go ahead and pay to market that house, have someone successfully do that. And right now that's about five to 6% in our area.
1: Yeah. And, and, and thinking of it as a buyer, let's say we're in the, we are the buyer and all of a sudden it's like, okay, you need to come up with an extra, let's say it's, um, Let's say it's a m a million dollar purchase. You need to come up with an extra twenty-five thousand dollars to pay your agent, you know, your buyer's agent. Um, and that's gonna, you know, what where is that gonna come out? That's gonna come out of like your down payment or you have to save extra twenty-five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, right? Where for the seller it's really easy. The seller's like, Hey, I just got a check for seven hundred thousand dollars, so it's coming out of my proceeds. It's very mm-hmm. easy. For the buyer, it's, it's a much bigger stone to get over, or, you know, kind of hindrance than it is for the seller.
2: Yeah. Especially if you can't finance that, you know, as part of your big purchase, when you're buying a home, you can finance most of that, you know, in addition to what your down payment's going to be.
0: Yeah. I'm curious what, what other options you guys might, well, let me start by asking this. Do you see change happening? And if so, when? Uh, kind of what I see is what always happens is there'll be
1: another disclosure and I'll be like, hey, seller, you have the option of not offering, which has always been the case, actually, Mm -hmm. anything to the the buyer's agent. You could offer zero. It's just going to be a lot less attractive for buyer's agents to show your property, or they're going to have to have a a contract with their buyer for the amount that's going to get paid. So there's going to probably be an extra disclosure, extra paragraph. California, honestly, when I look at this, and this hasn't come to California yet, the lawsuits haven't, you know, it's pretty clear, it's very clear, I would say, in the contract that it's a cooperating broker and that it's a different amount. There's, you know, it's not all bundled into one and it doesn't say it's divided by two. It's it's totally a conversation that happens with the seller. So I, maybe California doesn't even have to change anything. Um, but the rest of the nation, if they have contracts that don't explain that or clear, clearly identify that, then there's probably gonna be some changes there. I also think that you're going to see a lot more, um, upfront conversations that need to happen with buyers. We already do this, Mm -hmm. but it's like, Hey, look, like there's a new thing where the seller may or may not pay, you know, for me to work for you. And this is what I charge. And this is what I do. And then it comes to value. It's like, you know, and that's one of the things that we always discuss with our clients anyways, like, Hey, this is the value that you're getting out of working with me. And the market for years and years and years has demonstrated that where you provide value, for someone, it's worth them paying to have representation by a buyer's agent. That has not gone away. It probably—I don't think it will ever go away. I think you—you you, know—having someone in the field that understands how to navigate the complexity of real estate is so important. So um, you're going to see some just—I see—I would say minor shifts, and then maybe just a little bit clearer in the industry. Um, you know, for for agents to provide that upfront conversation and have actually a buy representation agreement signed which is something we have done in the past. And, you know, it was like, Hey, we might have to start doing this a little differently.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, as, as much as technology changes and, you know, creates efficiencies and I'm curious if you guys could think back to your last, the last year's transactions when you were the listing agent and you had a buyer's agent, it just, the, so much of this negotiating and all this is an, is as much an art as it is a science and man, just thinking about the buyers agents that I've worked with, I'm just so thankful for them. They they earn they earn the money. Um, the I know we do yeah. when we're representing buyers. It's you just. I just, I know technology will create efficiencies and I'm here for it, yep. but there's something about like up knowing the local market, navigating the intricacies of personalities and contracts and all that stuff. There's just so much nuance. I just, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of how it could change and I, I think it's going to be really tough and there's always people kind of on the edges trying to do this without agents and, and more power to them, whatever, mm-hmm. but I just think it's going to be incredibly difficult. Yeah,
1: well, Adam loves numbers, right? And so when you look at the numbers nationwide, and I don't have the exact figures, but we know for a fact that people sell their houses without representation get less. Mm, yeah, like and that basically more than pays for itself, right? Yeah, and so and then why is that? Well, one, they don't know how to market the property, but two, people get so emotional, right? So computers will never eliminate the emotional buffering that takes place in a transaction that real estate agents do. Yeah. It can't. Yeah. Um, and so there is a, a finesse and a skill to helping someone come to a win-win agreement. And when you have two calm, collected professionals working on each side of the tra- transaction, that is of great value. Yeah. And they're protecting their, their client, but they're also saying, hey, like, ultimately you want a house, Mr. Buyer. You want to, you want to get into a house for your family and, and make the, well, I'm telling you right now that no house 25 years old is going to be in perfect condition, right? And these are the things that we see that we do day in and day out that are kind of a bigger deal. And this is what you want to have negotiated. This is, and you, you bring them into alignment with the realities of the condition of the house and everything else and help them walk through kind of that like up and down emotional roller coaster. Yeah. And Adam, you I mean, you're fantastic at this. You've done this so many times in the last couple of years. It's like, I mean, I can think of the last few transactions, There are some serious, like it would not have happened with an AI.
2: Well, and that's the thing. Yeah. You might have a large request for repair or, you know, and that you're able to win for your client. And it can be like Jeff saying a true win-win for both sides. This is not just one side. Oh my gosh, they won. And the other side is just like the loser and they're hurting. Right. But it actually can keep the deal together and be a much bigger amount than 5% of the total transaction. Again, we'll go out and buy something again, 20% off. And it's like, you know, big deal. We're talking 5%. Now it is the biggest purchase for most people. So it's a lot of money. There is a lot of money on the line, but we've got stories of some clients where they're like, you know, trying to do an off market deal which is totally possible. And it's like more power to you. We help people, give them, you know, advice as much as we can from the outside. Anyway, we could just add value. But, you know, I had a friend client who was like, hey, the guy just sent me a Word document, you know? And it's like, you're going to buy, you know, multi-million dollar house. And he's like, I'm just don't feel... I can't sleep at night. Like I'm stressing about this. And there's just a lot that can go. At least put it on a
0: cocktail napkin. Yeah. That (laughs) seems way more. At least It's a (laughs) better story. Yeah. Yeah. Out of your
2: mom's basement. So that's the thing. It's like, you know, there's just a lot. It, It can be done. We see people for sale by owner totally can be done. But really when you're looking at a house of the, you know, average value around here, $1.2 million, it's like that's a lot of money on, you know, within the five cities area on the central coast. And we just don't want too much just at chance or on hope um, that, hey, you know, your word's going to be good on this. And so we hope the value's there, but I would like to like kind of throw around a couple ideas, like some things we've talked about is what do you guys think about even going to like a fixed fee? You ever mm. see it going that route because let's take, you know, two and a half percent on a $2 million house or two and a half percent on a $575,000 house. You know, sometimes it's a lot of work. Sometimes other, like a, a mobile home could be even more work yeah, than a yep, regular transaction.
1: They, yeah, I love <laughs> yes, mobile <they> can. <laughs> So, so what, just do, what, do you guys,
2: what do you guys think about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a place for fixed fee. I think we've seen, um, you know, kind of discount brokerages go that direction. A lot of times people discount the network, you know, that, the honestly what we spend tons of time, money, investment to create. So for us, it's like, Hey, like, yeah, we probably won't go to fixed fee because of the network we've developed of people that want to buy and sell. Right.
0: Well, I kind of think of it too, like a sports agent, you know, when they're negotiating contracts, if they're on a percentage basis, they're incented to get as much as they can for their client. And that's kind of like what we are too. When we are representing um, a seller, it's like, yeah. man, we want to get you as much as we, we want to be realistic, and I think that's more the conversation than not, but we do want to maximize your return, right? Well, and
1: we want referrals, yeah. right? So like working with a buyer, people are like always like, well, you know, there's this disincentive because you're on a percentage to negotiate the price down. No, that's not true. We're trying to get, we're we're not even, we're like thinking about like five deals, you know, ahead, like the referral, right? Yeah. And so it's like, like we want to win big for our clients every time. Now, not everybody's in the same kind of perspective, but I do think it's like, like travel agents or anything, right? There's some travel agencies that uh, still exist and doing amazing. You will always have disruptors in industries Mm -hmm. that push out the weak and then the the strong survive and they get better and they add more value. So it always comes to that conversation of value. There will be and will always be discount brokers and dealing with them, sorry, discount brokers, is a pain in the butt. Mm. They don't care that much. They're not invested. They're not thinking about the next, the referral, all they're thinking about is getting this deal done and getting the next discount, the transaction. They're not thinking about the person's life, what's best for them. They're they're doing, they're discounting to, to be of any value. Now, having value and offering that people don't, I mean, I have never had actually a, a client complain at the end of the transaction about how much they paid me. They see it, they sign, right? And they never call me, Jeff, I can't believe you're charging me this amount. They're like, thank you so much. That was amazing. I appreciate you so much. So it comes to value. Mm-hmm. And so I do think Adam, that what you're saying about the fixed fee, I think that's where you will see kind of uh, buyer's agents go that are not confident in the value that they add to their clients.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. What else you got? Um, yeah, I mean, the only other thing too is like, uh, you know, we've thought of is some other industries. Let's say that you have a lawyer, they're going to charge you by the hour. Yeah. Um, you know, it's another interesting thing. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about perhaps like even being charged by the hour? Cause we'll, we'll have some where we'll show buyers. It's like, Hey, free of charge. We could show people 30 houses and they could end up at the end and go, you know what? I'm just, I'm not in the market to buy right now. And in that's there. it. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> too all soon. That. <laughs> too soon. I actually don't
1: mind that model. I think it's it's a it could be a cool model. I, the way I would do it is some kind of like hourly fee, and then um uh, as we go, and this would all be negotiated on the buyer's contract. Yeah. But then as we go into contract, this is the fee to handle the escrow. Yeah. So it's like mm. you know, like here here's an hourly da 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 da. People, um, the problem with doing that is people a lot of times don't know what they want. And if they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to pay, like, yeah. let's say, two hundred bucks to go see three houses," they might be
0: less, like, You're more
2: hesitant. Hesitant,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like I want to show not an insane amount of homes, but I want to go into homes where they're not quite sure because at least it says yeah. like, oh, this, yeah, this definitely is not the thing for yeah. me. And I think that's just as much a win as finding the right house for people, especially when they're like kind of early on. And they're you got to go through homes, you know, and it can't always be just open houses. Like you've got to schedule showings. And so I would hate to disincentivize buyers to going into more homes it's to like, try to understand. So, yeah. but sometimes, honestly, there are, it, you it would be really nice to get paid hourly because you're just putting in so much you could be time, running around the county running around we the county we live in a big county yeah and then if it if it turns out like and this is the other thing like this is a high risk high reward job mm-hmm. you know i mean mm-hmm. kind of put it out on the line i know a lot of us like burned the the ships behind us and, and, and went for this and, and it's, and it's tough, you know, at times. And I know people probably think of agents, like they do lawyers sometimes like a necessary evil, but that's mm-hmm. where I think we want to change that narrative. And, and like you, have had the same experience, Jeff, where after the end of the transaction, they're like, they know how much they paid you. And they're like, we would have paid you more. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we want yeah. is like it the value was there, you know? Yeah. So anyway, um, Yeah, I also kind of wonder, this might not be super applicable, but you know, especially because of the kind of market we're in, we're just seeing um, so many agents leave the business. It's interesting that this is an industry where there are so many agents who do one, two, three deals a year and a lot. Uh, there's a I, when we looked at the data a few years ago, it was like most of the transactions in Slow County, like the the top of the food chain in terms of like the best of the best agents. They were like what two, three percent of market share. Yeah, and, and that's that's painful. I mean, it's even more than I think
1: maybe right. Yeah, yeah it it's, could be. So it's I think so so
0: many transactions are done by like. friends and family, part-timers. Yeah. Yeah, And I wonder how all this compensation conversation is going to change that.
1: Yeah. The barrier, I think the barrier to entry to being a real estate agent is too low. Yes, And then I think the staying in the business like requirements are low as well. So it's like, Hey, if, if Jeff wants to stay in the business year to year, he needs to demonstrate to the DRE that he's got the knowledge of real estate. Yeah. Yeah. The department of real estate that he's out there working and he's doing it. I think honestly, I've, Part time, part timers. When I get a part timer on a transaction on the other side, I'm like, great, here we go. I'm gonna have to hold their hand through the transaction. It's
2: a lot of work on our end. Yeah, it's a
1: lot of work on our end. Not against part timers, but I think yeah. that in this industry, some people just see it as a, a paycheck for doing one extra transaction, and like that is not good for our industry. Well, I just yeah.
0: talked to, um, I just talked to somebody who was like, hey, I think I'm gonna get my real estate license just so I can do my my family's business. I was like, I mean, whatever, but yeah, that yeah. when it, when
1: I first got my license and I wasn't in the industry full-time, I still hired a professional real estate agent that was doing it full-time because so I knew he'd give me more money and know how to navigate well, the transaction exactly better right. than myself. Yeah. And right. it's and like people, you know, then when you become full-time, you make that jump. And like, honestly, like, and, and people don't understand this, like my first transactions, my contract to get paid was 10%, like of what the brokerage got, right? Mm. So a thousand bucks maybe on a good day. And- I had to pay to learn how to do real estate. These, Mm. these other shops, you know, like they're not paying that amount and they're kind of on their own and you're doing it part time and you kind of forgot and you don't have someone keeping you up to date with the most recent laws and the disclosures. Like you are not doing anybody any, any favors.
0: I do really like your idea of making the barrier to entry more difficult. Not that it wasn't stressful getting in, but really when you think about it, you got to pass a test that's, eh, and then all of a sudden you can practice real estate law. It's crazy. Basically, yeah. it's it's not great. Um, I think there's
1: Apprentices, yeah, apprenticeships. Yeah, there's got to be some yeah. way
0: of doing it. And the
1: the courses are the courses that you take are great. They're, you're learning about fair housing. You're learning about all these things, but like the hands-on experience yeah. you have to be under. I mean, learn by, by doing. Cal Poly. Yeah. Cal Poly sure. You should not be learned <laughs> by doing on someone's largest transaction. No, yeah. <laughs> so It's like, this is not okay. <laughs> no, under, not.
2: under a mentor for at least a few years. You know, uh, yeah. I, I think that's really, you know, crucial. And you know, Jeff, to your point earlier, I, I think a takeaway for any, any agent out there. And honestly, any client who's going to potentially buy or sell is know the value of what you're getting. Like have that conversation on the front end, mm-hmm. just ask, don't don't assume. Don't feel bad if you're like I'm not really sure. Like I was just talking with some first-time homebuyers this week of like. I told him I was like hey do you know how I would get paid as the buyer's agent let me just walk through that like don't assume that people know set expectations ahead of time here's the value I'm gonna provide and here's how we get paid like I do love that about real estate it's more transparent like if I buy a software I don't know how much the salesperson's making on that like you know we we market that I think that's really great to be transparent about it but make sure that we're really providing the value that people go like you're saying Jeff is that at the end of the day like wow I I would have paid more. That's amazing. That's the type of business we want to be yeah. building here, not something like, "Oh my gosh, I could have done that." Or I watched, you know, a couple episodes of House Hunters last night. Maybe I'll get my I think real estate license. Paid. Yeah, I got this. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, she opens that door and then it's check and cool. Yeah, so three houses and they choose one every time, right? Uh-huh. You
1: know, so. <laughs> great. I think it's great conversation. Yeah, I think it's super helpful. I, I like. I like that our audience can still kind of understand like what our thought process is. It'd be fun if people went onto our you know, Instagram account or something, if we make like a post on this when we post this thing out, just comment on it. Like make a, like, yeah, I think that, you know, the, the
0: hourly thing would
1: work for me you know, instead and, and paying you, you know, hourly or whatever. Like, I'd love to hear that. Like, it'd be interesting to get our audience's feedback.
0: Yeah. I think it all in all, this is a good thing to get the conversation started. You yeah. know, I mean, just talk through options. Maybe there is a better solution that just hasn't been thought of yet. That's a win, 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 you know, between sellers, buyers and, and, and brokerages. So who yeah. knows? But yeah, thank you guys for the conversation. I think it was yeah. really good.
2: I like Jeff's idea. Like, if you have any ideas, like, you know, uh, DM us on Instagram or something like that to where we'd love to hear it. Cause I, I think any industry that's been around for a while, real estate, there's a lot of archaic things in it. Like if we're not looking for opportunities to grow or change yeah. or improve, th- like we're missing a huge opportunity there. And so I think for us, we need to be willing to like play devil's advocate, look, push back, not initially get defensive, but go, Oh, that's an interesting thought. How could we make that better mm. where it's a win on both sides for agents and clients. It's
0: yeah. good, Adam. Awesome. Hey, thanks guys. Thank you. Have a good one. See you.